Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, brought to you by Cracked Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin, and joining me, as he always does, is my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the man who once aced Yoshihito Nishioka and Maximilian Martyr on the same day, Maxwell LeBauer Rothman. Maxi, hey, great shot, and Happy New Year to you. That was the day I knew I should have gone and been a professional tennis player. <laughs> and I know that you will laugh and argue that till the day you die, and that is why we do this podcast. Okay. It literally, do I need to tell you about the seven serves you missed before? You literally were just trying to swing as hard as possible. You, you did miss at least eight in a row, and then you finally made one. And obviously, yes, it was impressive, but a pro is definitely hey, a stretch. The, fa- the fact that it's there means I can do it. That's all I need to say. Well, of course you spend 2019 and you started by talking about yourself. I am still so happy to be back with our I'm fans. Just, I'm just following you, bro. <laughs> For our first podcast of 2019, Westoff, give me some fireworks. Give me some dun 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 na 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 you know all the things that come with it because I also we think are. We need some fireworks for the new year, baby. Let's go. This is proof you don't listen. I said fireworks, but still, give me a double dose, West off because we are back for the 2019 ATP WTA season with an action-packed you know schedule all ahead of us. We've got the Australian Open coming up. We've already had some great events, but we're not going to talk about those today. Instead, what we're going to be doing. Giving our predictions, talking about the biggest questions heading into this 2019 season. We've got some fun ones. Obviously, we'll talk about some big picture questions as well. Players we think will succeed, players we think will fall off. Before we get into all of that, if you haven't, you know, you missed anything from the 2018 offseason, you want to catch up on the action, prepare yourself for the Australian Open. Check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. We've got a ton of great content on there. We're already getting into the college tennis season with Matt Sikoyak writing his college contenders piece, you know, previewing all of the top teams and who people should be looking for on the men's side. We've got you know all of your content, ATP, WTA previews, anything you want to see. Uh, so go check that out. Got some new things also coming to the website Be on the lookout for our new store that's coming soon. I know we've gotten some requests for Cracked Rackets apparel and gear. So we have answered your requests. The store is coming onto the website soon enough, so get ready for that. Also get ready for the launch of the Cracked Rackets Foundation. Although that name is subject to change, there may be legal implications that we do not understand yet. So bear with us on that. However, there will be a charitable foundation that is launching prior to the Australian Open. Uh, and, and there's some pretty cool ways in which we're planning to to donate to charity. So be on the lookout for that as well. Look, our team took some time this offseason. We got together. We schemed for 2019. And we have a lot of fun things coming your way. So be on the lookout for all of that. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or all of your social media accounts. You know, Again, content will be coming to you all week. Check us out on YouTube because Daniel Westoff has been up to some incredible things video-wise. He really is the unsung hero. It's not even unsung. He is... He is the the, hero. Yeah, the MVP of our offseason for sure. But we have so many fun things coming your way in 2019. But... Rothman, with that being said, let's get into our biggest questions for the year. You know, we both put together our list of the things we thought would be the biggest storylines, the thing we'll be talking about all season long through Australia, the French Open, Wimbledon, and then obviously the summer hardcourt season. 
And I think the biggest question on everyone's mind, you know, the thing we'll all be talking about heading into the Australian Open, the thing it seems like we've been talking about for the past six years is will someone not named Federer, Nadal, or Djokovic win a men's single Grand Slam this year? Obviously, it hurts me not to include Andy Murray in that list, but I don't want to get into that topic right now, Rothman. You look at the way Zverev ended the 2018 season. He wins the year-end finals. He takes out Federer. He takes out Djokovic. He does all the things we want to see him do. Unfortunately, it's only a two out of three set event and not three out of five like the majors. But still, I just I don't know how you don't have him as the number one guy to watch coming into Australia if in terms of someone who could break through. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, well, first of all, before we go any further, it is the big three. It is not the big four. And... I'm not getting into this now. <laughs> I'm not. I, uh, no, that you, was you good, got, but I'm not doing it. I'm not taking You got just on on Twitter. It was beautiful. If you, ha- if you guys don't follow us on Twitter, you got to see this exchange. It was just Gruskin shooting for the stars and not getting any support. But anyways, um, definitely Zverev is the person to watch. It, I mean, I think... There are some other people that uh, are going to be exciting to see back in action. As you said, Andy Murray, um, although I've, I've got a prediction later on that I'll share about him and, and Grand Slams. But I, I just think it is going to be hard for these first few Grand Slams, you know, Australian Open and French for any of these newer guys to break through. I think Djokovic is just on a roll. He's won, you know, what is it, six now Aussie Opens? I don't see him losing this with how well he's been playing. Nadal, fresh back from in, from his injury, he's going to have a little time to get some tournaments under his belt pre-French Open, and he is the clay court goat. So I think that one's kind of out of the mix. And then I think once you've started to see the season play out a little bit, you've seen some of the guys get some tournaments under their belt. Zverev may have you know a little bit more of a chance to play some Grand Slams, get deep. Then I think maybe we see him breakthrough, get to a final, maybe win one. I just don't see anyone winning these first two besides Djokovic, Nadal, or Fed. I'm so happy you brought this up because this brings me to my first prediction of the 2019 season. I think Alex Virev makes his first career Grand Slam final at this year's French Open. And I know that is a big thing to say, but let me back it up. Last year on the clays, Virev goes 21-4 and overall. He wins the Munich title, makes a Monte Carlo semifinal, a Rome final. He wins the Madrid title, and then he makes the French Open quarterfinal. Over that run, some of the guys he beat, he beats Kachinov, first Kachinov of 2019, Chilich, Gofen, Edmund, Team, Shapovalov, Isner, Chung, Cole, Schreiber, all of the guys you want to beat on a clay season, the guys he loses to, he loses to Nadal twice, loses to Nishikori, loses to Team. I didn't say he's going to win the French Open, but still, we've grown so accustomed to the Rafa Nadal win. There's actually a YouTube video. uh, It's Trivia with Nadal at Wimbledon, and they ask him how many times has he lost on clay since, I think, 2008. And he's going through, and he goes, 2010 didn't lose, 2011 didn't lose. And it's, it's incredible. And, of course, as fans, we've been spoiled by that. But 21-4 and four is really f***ing good. Plus, he gets two titles. He makes that Rome final as well. If it was not, you know, if we didn't set the standards as, well, Nadal's the greatest on clay, which he is, Zverev is right up there, and there's no reason to expect he can't make that jump. I think, uh, you know, to predict him making a French Open final, it's a breakthrough we can see out of him. He's won Masters on clay. Why isn't this possible, Rothman? 
Uh, so I, I hear you, and and I think we keep we've said this for a while now that you know he has the potential. We should see him in a final. Honestly, I think a lot of people think we should see him winning these tournaments. I really do think that this year is going to be even harder than previous years. One, Nadal is back. Two, Murray is back. Three, Burdich is back. Four, we've oh got guys. God. Hold on, just hear me out. We've got guys that are, you know, veterans that haven't really been in these tournaments that are back and playing and, and starting to get more reps under their belt. I think Vavrinka is starting to, you know, get his groove back going. And then we've got this new wave of young guys like Chorich, Tsitsipas, Kachanov, um, Medvedev, and all of them were just starting to get really good at the end of last season. And so I think this season, I mean, look, I'm excited for this season. I think there's going to be an absurd amount of quote unquote upsets because no, we've the got parody, a lot. the parody is going to be tremendous. Everyone can beat everyone. Sure. And I think that is what has been missing from men's tennis for a long time. Uh, and so I think though, that is going to be a roadblock for Zverev, but a potential upside for men's tennis as a whole. It might be the case where we get a, a year of grand slams where it isn't all the top three, the big three last Hashtag point. Big three. Last point on Zira, fifty-eight. No, that's good. You should. That's a good shtick. I like it. And I'm not gonna. You know, I'm gonna match myself by talking about myself like you did, Rothen. What do you think of that Nadal? It, it was okay. You, you've uh, had better accents, but I'll, I'll give it to you. Twenty twelve, lost Djokovic to Rome. Twenty thirteen. That's, that's uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I don't want to get into any any politics here, so we'll, we'll move on. For Zverev, he ends the year ranked number four, went 58-19, four titles. He beat everyone you'd want to beat, Kyrgios, Federer, Djokovic, Chung, Isner, Chilich, Gofen. He's the guy who's shown that level. He's the guy I'm going to be watching, and I expect a Grand Slam final out of him this year. The other early prediction I want to make, something you mentioned as well, I think Novak Djokovic right now, correct me if I'm wrong, he's at 14 Grand Slams, right? And Nadal's at 17, and Roger Federer's at 20. I think if Djokovic is ever going to bridge that gap, you know, 2019 is the year that's as open as ever. With the level Djokovic displayed at the end of last season, the fact that, as you mentioned, we are waiting for Zverev to have that breakthrough. He's only made one Grand Slam quarterfinal in singles in his career. Anderson's made a couple finals, but we've seen Djokovic just dismantle him in multiple Grand Slam matches by now. You don't know if Anderson's style can you know break down a Djokovic. Um, I think this is the year Djokovic pads his total, gets at least two more Grand Slam singles title. You think that's reasonable? Yeah, I mean, look, I think he's for sure taking Australian Open if I'm a betting man, which we will have a <laughs> You're locking podcast. that prediction in now? I am locking it in now, and uh, you'll hear some more betting predictions in our betting pod next week. But I think it's reasonable to say he's going to get two, and I hate that personally. I mean, I, I'm, as you know, I'm a huge Federer fan. Um, maybe not as big as some of the, you know, massive groupies that he has, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to see his goat status go into question, even though it probably already is, uh, putting him at six, putting Djokovic at 16 grand slams is yeah, that, that puts him in contention for goat status, uh, because he's still got a couple years under his belt and he puts him really within reach of, of that 20 He's mark. the only guy to win all nine Masters events. He's, you know, only right guy to have uh, winning records against both Fed and Nadal. 
Yeah, there are a lot of arguments you can make. I think this is the season he can also pad his stats unless we see a breakthrough. But moving on, other guys I think we have to mention in terms of in that competition. I think we're going to see Kevin Anderson sustain his level. I think he, you know, at Laver Cup, what he showed, at the Grand Slams, what he showed in 2018. He's a big match player now, and we don't have to get to, into his record because we don't want to break down every guy in depth. But he's a guy I see is sticking around. You know, I had those three, Zverev, Djokovic, Anderson, as my guys I think are going to be locks to be you know late in the slams throughout the season. This next tier of guys I'm a little less sure about, and you know, I haven't mentioned one guy yet. I'm not going to, but Marin Cilic is the first guy in this next tier. I think Cilic, we're going to see the same out of him in 2019. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I get a little worried with some of the the big guys like Chilich and Anderson. Um, you know, we there can only be, in my opinion, there can only be so many big hitters like that in the top 10. And I think with Delpo coming back and with Burdich coming back and, you know, guys like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Kachanov and Medvedev big hitters because they are. Um, I, I think there's going to be some, some room for fluctuation. And again, I think just this idea that there's so many talented players, I think they're going to have a harder time sustaining that play. They rely on the big shots all the time. They're not going to be the the Djokovic or the team or the Nadal who's staying in points longer and grinding out. And so I, I do worry about those guys, but I, I do also hear your point. Um, to so that then, point... So then here's a prediction for you. Roger Federer does not make a Grand Slam singles final in 2019. This is the year he does not do it. I think that's the case. What say you? So I think this year is going to be weird in that he may... I could see him not making a semifinal in Aussie French or US Open, and he could win Wimbledon. I think it's going to be one of those kind of years where we might see, you know, uh, a random US Open winner because, you know, end of the year, guys are tired and we've got so many good guys and someone's just going to have a great run. I think I think that's what it's going to be throughout this year. We're going to see great runs by different players in different tournaments, and we might just see some random results all right i think that's fair that was a cop-out answer from you i just I t- oh, whoa, whoa i said he's gonna win wimbledon <laughs> uh that, oh okay that's both i like that i i don't know he looked a little old at the end of last year and i know that's not saying two out of three sets he can beat anyone on any day of course three out of Look, five is pro- where it gets touched that anderson match is burnt into my mind He'll probably take French off again, and he'll be fine for Wimbledon. What, and he'll, counterpoint, and he'll what if he doesn't? Uh, then he probably will lose. <laughs> he probably, probably isn't Just winning saying, Wimbledon. saying, at this point, the slams, there's, there's far fewer left than already in the past, obviously. So it's interesting. So, okay, this all being said, we're, we've been talking about these top guys. Who do you think is going to be in the AT, ATP World Tour Finals? Ooh, okay. I already gave you my three locks. Djokovic, Zverev, Anderson. Those are the guys. I'll, I'll give Ch- Chilich for number four. 
I have to put Federer in for now. I'll give him five. How do you not, dude? He's yeah. made, he's what? He's made every ATP World Tour final for the last like fifteen years or something. Like yeah, so sure he's five. We, you're gonna, we yeah, I was gonna say you're gonna make this the year. And now it gets interesting. Dominic Team, he made it last year. He was gassed, but just given what we've seen out of him, the longevity, the fact that he plays so many events, the fact that he, you know, had a breakthrough in making a French Open final. I don't know if we can count him out. Nadal and Delpo are other guys I would consider here. I just worry they'll both be banged up at the end of the year and that maybe they'll choose to skip that year-end event. I don't know. I guess give me team for number five, or sorry, team for number six, Delpo number seven. Mm, I'll go Chorich number eight. Oh, Ooh. just over Kachinov. I'll take Chorich as number eight. I like that. Because uh, I'm gonna have Chorich in in my top eight as well. Um, I'll go with you know the Djokovic Zverev. I'm not gonna. I, I'm actually not gonna put Anderson. I think he's gonna drop just outside oh, of that top eight. I have a hard disagree with you there. I, I know you do. I know you do. Um, I, I'm gonna keep him just outside of that top eight. But I'll, I'll go Djokovic. I think if we're considering everyone's healthy and actually playing, I'm not. I'm not saying. Uh, an injured Nadal is deciding to to opt out. So I'm taking Nadal, Djokovic, Fed, uh, Zverev. I'm going to go with Delpo. I think he's going to make the comeback. I think he'll be fine. And then I think we're going to have potentially a a Kachanov and Chorich at 6 and 7. So can we get into this now in terms of these guys? Because we're talking about these young guys. These, yeah, the guy, sure. I think I think there are three guys in this next-gen finals contention that we need to talk about in their own category outside of Alex Virov, and that's Kachanov, Chorch, and Tsitsipas. And, you know, Kyrgios, Dimonauer, Medvedev, also guys I think are capable of it in terms of reaching that <laughs> level, but they're just a tier below. But for these three guys... You know, one of my predictions about them, I think all of them, the it's both a prediction and an expectation. I think all three of them will make a Masters final on a hard court this year. And I think all three will spend some time in the top 10. I just think you look at the results from last year. Borna Church goes 26-13 and 13 on hard court, makes a Shanghai Masters final. So he's already done it, as well as the Indian Wells semifinal, Miami quarterfinal. He's beaten Delpo, Federer, Anderson, Medvedev twice, Shapovalov twice on the hard court. Again, this should be the expectation for him now, and I think we've seen that level from him. You've seen the consistency at the Masters. That's why so, I, I agree with you. He's a guy in contention for me. So, so look, I think obviously it's reasonable to think that they all might spend time in the top 10. Kachanov's 11 right now, Chorich is 12, and Tsitsipas is 15. I think the reason I chose Kachanov and Chorich is I think that they were more consistent last season. I felt that Tsitsipas had these runs, which I think puts him in contention for potentially winning uh, a Masters title or the Toronto Masters a- final when he made that run, beat Djokovic, right. beat Team. That was incredible. That's what I mean. And I again, so I, I think a lot of his success has been attributed to these streaks at tournaments, and I worry that in a season so filled with competition and so many players at that high level I worry that he's one of those guys that won't be able to maintain it versus a Chorich who I think can grind for the entire season he's fit he plays at a high level at a higher floor as we've liked to talk about than most players and I think Kachanov has the weapons to consistently also keep that floor (laughs) at 
at a at a higher level than most. And so I, I think those two for sure, Tsitsi Pass I worry about. That's why I have him, I guess, a little bit low. I mean, look, shameless plug here, but I talked about all these young guys with Ben Rothenberg on our next gen tier uh, yeah, rankings. Yeah. I had Left. these guys a little bit above. Left you out. Get out of here. You were in San Francisco dreaming. Yeah, I was, and I was pissed. Yeah, okay, the point is, those are the guys, I agree with you, I've said before as well, Kyrgios is a guy who can just, we've seen that level out of him, when if he doesn't want to be broken, if he's locked in, he can just do damage. And I know he had this whole offseason thing where he trolled and said, oh, if I win the Australian Open, I'm done with tennis. And obviously he was kidding. But who's to say, you know, last year okay. he won a title in Brisbane. <laughs> Hopefully he comes to the season in form. You don't, you don't know yet because I haven't seen him play. Okay, so I, I he have. Gets no, I, I watched him play Shardy. He literally lost the second set and was basically like, this. Um, one of my change of her chat predictions I was going to bring up was I think he might quit midseason and and end the season. Look, I love his game. I love watching him. But I legitimately could see him playing like and saying, you know what? Rest of the season, I'm done. I'll come back in 2020 and I'm going to chill in Australia and just have a good time, relax a little bit, and then I'll come back and play. I don't even know what to say to that. I want to. I guess I'll use that to pivot to who has the better 2019. Nick, or not better, but who's ranked higher at the end of the year? Kyrgios or Alex Dimenauer? I mean, you know what's funny is, it, assuming Kyrgios makes it through the season, I'm going to say Kyrgios. Like, again, I keep bringing up this point, but I don't see I, – I can see Kyrgios having a run – you know, he's got the firepower, he has the skill, he could have a streak in a tournament and that gets him enough points. I worry about a guy like Dimonauer who's gonna have to face so many good guys at every single tournament and he's just gonna be grinding and that's gonna be tough for him. I don't know. I, I think Curious. But also Curious is ranked a lot higher right now, so it's it's a hard argument to 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 make. That's fair. I guess those are three guys we're all stuck up on. Are there any young guys you're stuck down on? Maybe, you know, one of the things Ben and I argue about, Hyun Chung. I'm obviously very much stuck up on him. Where are I'm you? I'm stuck. I, I, I don't know. Uh, he did not impress me towards the end of the season. He hasn't started this season strong. Um, I worry about him. A lot you, of you points br- to defend. Yeah, lots of points to defend. A lot of tough players coming in. He's going to have to really prove to me that he's ready to stay in that, you know, top 30 if uh, if he's going to, you know, make it through this season. I, I definitely, um, I, I'm predicting that he is out of the top 30 by the end of the season, for sure. Another guy I think might have fallen out of the picture a little Nothing bit. Nothing that one? No, I, I've already said enough on Hyun Chung. I disagree with you full-heartedly. I, I'm <laughs> okay. sorry, but yeah, yeah, we forget how good he was at the beginning of last season. The key is his health. How's his foot? Is it in one piece? If so, he's just so solid from both wings. It's a better version of Kozlov at this point. That's <laughs> that's the highest compliment I can give someone. <laughs> and so it's a better version. He's just so so dangerous from the ground. He tracks everything down. He's aggressive from the baseline. Yeah, the second serve sits up, and you wonder if people... People will know how to play him a little bit better. It's hard for him to generate a lot of pace with his forehand. People may know to attack that side. Um, I want to talk about two guys in terms of stock down. I think people, one of them I disagree with. The other one, 
I'm kind of in on shorting the stock, but let's start with the one I disagree with. Dennis Shapovalov, last year he starts in the year 51. Right now he's ranked 27. The guy is still 20 years old. Sure, the record of 35 and 28 doesn't look good, but when you look at the big picture, makes three ATP semifinals, two ATP quarterfinals, U.S. Open third round, four Masters rounds of 16s. Rothman, he did an ATP tour behind the scenes of his offseason. He actually talked about how it's funny to him that he heard people saying, oh, like 2018 was a disappointment for Shapovalov because he didn't break through at the slam. The guy's 20 years old, and he solidified himself as a top 30 player. That's fucking incredible. Yeah, I was literally about to bring up that we haven't talked about him yet and how ridiculous that is. I, I will say, I think that this could be, you know— a, even more of a breakthrough season for him. I think he can be streaky. I think he can have a really good tournament and we can see something big from him. But I, I think that for him, I'm expecting him to be in this top 25 consistently now. I, I, I think he proved that to us last year. I think anyone who says that last year was a disappointment is ridiculous. He's 20 years old, as you said. I'm just ready to see him breakthrough in a tournament i feel like we haven't really seen that breakthrough tournament from him yet i'm going to keep this as a stock up stock down section for now we're going to stay with the stocks up riley opelka felix ogier aliasim both of those stock guys ups, one baby. ranked number 99 for opelka number 106 for felix both guys are going to get into the australian open it looks like on their ranking i think both guys crack the top 75 for sure those are two of the guys i'm going to be watching those are Big- easy yeah, and Opelka wins two challengers to end his year. Easy stock-ups as well. We agree on that. Another easy stock-up, in my opinion, Daniil Medvedev. Ends his, you know, starts the year 65, ends at number 16, uh, wins three titles on the year at Tokyo at the end of the year. Gave Federer a real run in two matches as well. Uh, continued to look good when he just gave Murray the business at the beginning of this season. He's a guy I think solidifies himself as a top 15 threat, and I think we see him at least once in the second weekend of a land this year yeah uh, okay so that point's fair but again i i don't know with all the competition this year if he's going to be able to maintain some any sort of deep run consistently i I think you're right we might see him make a semi-final of a masters or you know make a second weekend of a grand slam i'm just not sure he's going to break that top 15 because i don't think he's going to be able to be consistent enough fair um one other stock up for me Taylor Fritz. I think Taylor Fritz wins an ATP title in 2019. I think he I would can love. Do it. I would love that. No, I think <laughs> I think it's really reasonable. You continue to look at the things he needs to get better at: movement and volleys. I think those are the two things that are the easiest to get better at. You can't just manufacture power. I hate to say it. Of course, you can get better. Of course, you can work on driving the ball, being more aggressive. But you can't have the God-given ball striking ability of Taylor Fritz. He is just blessed with a first serve as well, a second serve that's hard to read that he can you know slice out wide or hit with the kick and I think that's going to win him a lot of matches he's going to continue to get more comfortable on the clay he's no longer going to have to play challenger events most of his events are going to be at the ATP level if he wins maybe not a city open but a Winston-Salem in 2019 that's not going to shock me at all no and I and that's honestly what I think would happen if anything he'll win one of these ATP 250s he'll have a nice run at some of the the guys that maybe not at the very top level but just above that top level and and you know 
He'll play well, like you said. That forehand's a weapon. He'll be able to use that. He'll be able to dominate on the court with with those weapons. And I, I absolutely can see him winning a tournament. But I hope that he's able to maintain that play through the bigger tournaments, keep that ranking where he's at so that he can continue to you know, make runs and give himself that chance. So Fritz is my final stock up. Rothman, do you have any others you want to add? My last stock up would be Tommy Paul. I think Ooh, watching him at the end of last season and, you know, the the little bit we've had of this season so far, he's been pretty consistent. His game looks really solid right now. And I don't know. I, I have a good feeling about the way he's been playing. I would love to see him up against some of the upper echelons of players and see how he holds up. That'll be the real test for him. But I, I have a, a good feeling about TP this season. All right, I like to hear that. Well, then let's do stock down. We kind of talked about him a little bit, but stock down Nick Kyrgios? Uh, <laughs> depends. He's such a wild card. All right, we can skip that one then. Here's another one. Stock down Kyle Edmund. No, I, I think he's like a Chorich. I think he is going to be – yeah, he's like you want a safe bet. You want an ETF to just invest in, and it will bring you pretty reasonable returns for the entirety of the season. You you bet on Kyle Edmund. Oh, I'm glad you like that reference. Give me a cha-ching West off. (laughs) You know, the best – Jared Donaldson would like that reference Again, I'm getting back into talking of things I'm proud of. But to pat myself on the back, the things I got right in 2019 – Kyle Edmund, Stefano Tsitsipas, Daniil Medvedev. I feel like those are the three guys I bought on early in January. It, it's not that I dislike Edmund's game. Obviously, when you jump from 50 to number 14 in a year, that's so impressive. He makes a European Open final. But he does have to defend that Australian Open semifinal from last year where it was kind of a dream run and everything just came together so nicely. He's a better version of Jack Sock, certainly, in terms of how disciplined he is per match, how he maximizes his weapons on a singles court. But you worry that with another year of experience, guys know how to play him. He doesn't like when matches or balls get into his backhand. He's obviously going to continue to seek out his forehand, try and move you around. You know, his second serve, slice base, not as much with... Oh, I guess he can kick it out wide. It's not that I dislike his game. I just worry that people might figure out what he's doing. So I'm not stocked down, but I'm holding. I don't see a big jump from Edmund. I hope he's able to stay top 25 this year. I, I think that's pretty much along with what I was saying. I, I agree with you there. <laughs> I just uh, took five more I, minutes. Yeah, can I, can I bring in a stock down? And I hate to bring in the stock down, but it's Ernesto Escobedo. Oh, and, and well, wait, can he, we save him actually until we do the U.S. guys, which I promise we'll do soon? Uh, you want to stick with non-U.S. guys? Fine, let's do it. Let's bring in Grigor Dimitrov. Oh, uh, so this can we do the entire uh, lost generation? Sure, let's do it. Nishikori, uh, Rayonic, Dimitrov, Gofen. What do you see from them this year? I think this is the year where they have the hardest time. I, I really do. Uh, I I haven't seen much from Ranich at all. I he's what? Is he in the top forty right now? Ranked number eighteen. He is? Yeah, so he actually and had he, a pretty decent year last had, year. You know what? Yeah, he did. He had a good season. I don't know. I, I again I, I'm I'm worried about some of the bigger hitters maintaining their play throughout the entirety of the season. 
Dimitrov, I think, will stay kind of where he's at. Nishikori, he's been playing really well. I think it's hard to to knock him out of that. Ah, it's tough. I, I think you're, you're going to see Dimitrov stay kind of where he's at and Ranich drop out. Nishikori maybe drop a little bit. Gofen, I think it might really drop. So here's my counterpoint to you. Obviously, Grigor Dimitrov. Well, they're vets. They're all vets. They've been through this. No, been Milos Raonic, twenty-eight years old. He's number eighteen. He came off of injury in twenty eighteen. He knows what he wants to do. He's a guy whose forehand and his serve will all win him. All these guys know what they want so to many, do. They've all see. I don't think Grigor new- Dimitrov knows what he wants to do on a court anymore. And I think if Jack <laughs> Sock wasn't as shitty as he was in twenty eighteen, we would have talked about Grigor so much more. He goes twenty four and nineteen last season. But see that's the thing is Grigor seven first round losses. Okay, but he doesn't even need to know what he wants to do. He can play his baseline level and stay where he's at the rest of his ATP career. No, he can't. He thinks he's Roger Federer, and sometimes he can be. It's really true. When he's moving forward, you know, he can be extremely aggressive. He's not as good of a volleyer as Federer, but still, he's able to take his forehand on the rise down the line, catch it early. Same thing with the backhand sometimes. He also is a tremendous mover, When again, when he wants to be, but... He just can't finish, and seven first-round losses is concerning. I just, I didn't see him get it done last year. He didn't beat guys like Anderson, like Isner. He didn't beat guys like Nishikori. I just worry about a guy like that, and you're right. There's a world where Grigor Dimitrov gets hot at the beginning of the year, and he rides that momentum, but of these guys, him, Gofen, I'm much more concerned about than Rayonish and Nishikori, who I still think have you know good tennis seasons ahead of them. So I, if I had to rank them, my lost generation guys go Nishikori, Dimitrov, Rayonish, and Gofen. Yeah, I, I think in 2019, I don't know, man. I, I Look, Grigor's so handsome. I can't bet against him. I mean, he's so good looking. And there's a world where Eric Gruskin stays skinny and looks like Grigor a little bit. And that's oh. also kind of funny. I think we need to get a visual for our <laughs> listeners on that one. We'll do a Twitter poll. Better looking Eric Gruskin or Grigor Dimitrov. <laughs> and we can show them both bald because that's how it looks nowadays. Also, Dimitrov has been ranked by most of the players on tour as the most handsome man on tour. <laughs> Either way... I don't. Do you see a window for any of these four guys to win a Grand Slam? So this is my final stock down, and we can use him as a segue to get into the, our prediction number two for 2019 and the biggest thing we'll be looking at on the men's side. But a guy who I hate to say in 2019 I'm the most stocked down on, Francis Tiafo. He was just not good in Hopman Cup. And I, it no. might be a doubles thing, but... I talked about this with Jonathan Kelly, and I'm curious about your thoughts. People know how to play him now. You you serve to the forehand. He's going to hit a slice forehand back. The backswing, it's just hard for him to handle pace. He can crank the forehand, but that's the side to attack. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he looked really bad in Hotman Cup. Cam Nori just pooped on him in, his, <laughs> in their match, uh, and he looked terrible in the dubs as well. Uh, here's the thing about him is that he is so athletic and— he does have a lot of variety with his drop shots. His volleys are getting better. And, you know, his serve is, as we've said, a potential weapon. It isn't always because he doesn't make it enough, but it can be a weapon. So I think I'll agree. I think 
he'll be it'll be a stock down year for him. I would not invest in Francis Tiafoe this season, but I, I don't think he's going to crash. He's not about to drop out of the top 100. He's he just it's going to be a tougher season for him. I agree. Uh, there's just a lot, you know, 28 and 26 in 2018. He did jump to number 45, but that Delray title really helped a lot. Only one ATP quarterfinal on his year. I don't know, man. Again, it'll be interesting to watch. But let's get into the U.S. men. Rothman, you talked about this before, but we ended 2018 with 11 U.S. men in the top 100. That is something. It's awesome. It's what we've been building towards these last three years. It's what, you know, finally we're starting to see some results in. In terms of predictions for 2019, I don't think it's outlandish to say I think the U.S. men are going to end the year with 15 men inside the top 100. I think that's totally reasonable. All of these young guys have been on the fringe. They're getting better. They're obviously getting more experience on tour. There's not as many. A lot of these guys, at first, we were like, oh, we don't know how they're going to handle the tour. They now had you know, at least a year, maybe two. I agree. I think a lot of these guys are going to be able to break the top 100. I think we're going to have a record season for the Americans. Do you want to go through our lists? Sure. Let's do it. Number one, I have John Isner. You can't really take him out of that position. His He's been there for the last, I don't know, five, six years. Yeah. Agree. agree. And I have him number 12 around there. Number two, Taylor Fritz. No. He, he's not. He, I think I would give my number two either to... Jack Sock, depending. Oh my God, the Jack Sock is number one hundred three. Jamie wanted to come on this podcast and say Jack Sock's going to be back in the top ten. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, and he's not going to be in the top ten, but he very well could break that top Get twenty and out of here. And I'm not sure anyone else is going to. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put him. He's like a a wild card number two. But if I had to choose another one, I'm gonna give it back to Stevie Johnson. He's I think he, I think the vets are going to stay at the top of this list. It's going to be Isner, Sock, Stevie, Query. I, I think those guys are going to stay at the top, and we're going to see just below them the Fritz, Opelka, Tiafo, uh, Jared Donaldson, Kudla kind of kind of guys. Okay, I'm just going to give you my list of top 100 guys. You tell me if you agree or disagree that they'll be in the top 100. Okay. So I said Fritz number two, he'll be top 100, yes? Sure. I have him ending the year round number 26. Too high, too low? Too high. Okay, I disagree. Steve Johnson, I have him number three, and I have him ending the year at number 38. Too high, too low? Eh, reasonable. Maybe a little bit low. Okay, number four American, I mentioned I was high on him earlier. Riley Opelka, I have him ending the year number 45. Too high, too low? Or just right? Bold? Could be just right. I, I would put him more at like a 50. I'm going to say this again, and I think you'll agree with me. Riley Opelka's serve is not as good as it will be in five years, and who's to say it doesn't make another jump? Yeah, but I think the thing that'll make a bigger jump uh, is his shot selection. I think he makes stupid shot selection, and the second he starts to be a little bit more patient for how good he moves for his size, that's when he'll make that next jump. But agreed, I think his serve could get a little he better as well. He makes stupid shot selection. Hey, 
Great shot. Com- yeah, coming coming from Mr. Stupid Shot Selection. <laughs> Francis Tiafo, I have number five, ending the year at number 48. Not a bad year from him, but a little bit lower. Too high, too low, just right. Too high. Where do you have him? 60s. Okay, that's fair. That's in the margin of I don't want to argue with you about it. My, yeah. si- <laughs> my sixth uh, ranked American Mackie McDonald at number 54 and here's a point wow. I want to make Mackie really didn't have that great of a le- year last year the thing he had bumping him up to the ending the year at number 78 so it's not too big of a jump for him in terms of where I think he'll end he has that fourth round Wimbledon result and he's going to be able to sit on those points for the entire year so this is a bet on him displaying a better level in the first half of this season being able to get into ATP uh, tournaments get some results there. I, I I loved what I saw from him. He's a guy who we both agree his floor is so high. I just I can't believe you're putting him above Donaldson, Kudla, Query. Again Ruben. though, you gotta keep in mind I have fifteen guys in the top one hundred. I had to make some of these rankings up and be like, yeah, that, that if I'm gonna have fifteen Americans, where do some of these players have Right, to that's end? what I'm saying. I don't think you can I, I would I don't think you can put a Mackie above a Donaldson or a Kudla. So here's or- my counterpoint. My next guy. So I said McDonald's number six. Harrison number seven. Number fifty six. He's gonna lose Harris- a lot of Brisbane finals. I in fact Harrison I'm probably is- too high on him. Way too high. He's yeah. he's I'm gonna, gonna be like down. your he's gonna be like your eighty eight. Okay, maybe I'm, your. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm literally moving him down. I completely agree with you. I'm not gonna fight you there. I'm gonna move him to number eighty eight, and we'll call that the Rothman spot. So restart. Leave it in though, Westoff. My number seven American, Sam Query, number fifty eight. That's right next to McDonald. Jack Sock, number sixty. He'll get some of the points <laughs> back, but not all of them. Jared Donaldson, 64. Kudla, 68. They're all in the McDonald range. I'm saying those are the guys who stay in the top 75 for sure this year. We see them week in, week out on the ATP Tour, and I don't think they have to dip into the challengers to play at all. Except for maybe at the beginning of the year for the guys who need the points. I think you're too low on on Query and Sock. I really do. All right, give me the case. I think Sock had an off season in a lot of ways. You think so? In off yeah, season, that's what you're gonna call it. Hey, great shot! It was, a, it was an off season in a lot of ways, and I've been watching his Instagram. He's been putting time oh. on the court at, at SMU. I hate. He's you. clear clearly been balling. He's been hanging out with big boy Johnny is, and I don't know. I, I just think he he's been on for so long. I think he's probably like, all right, screw all these people. I know I'm way better than this, and I'm gonna show everyone and I, and I just he, he's not gonna let himself stay at that 100 level he's for sure gonna try and push further and I think he's gonna show us that he can break back into that top 30 him getting that Australian Open wildcard is a gift from the gods if he would have had oh, to dip come to, on him having to play qualifying would have sucked yeah the fact it, that he's it getting, would've he defended his points sort of by getting to the quarterfinals he has something to lean on this season uh, in terms of the Paris Masters, that is so crucial for him to hit, for him to have to dip down to the challengers. I feel like that's the last thing in the world he wants to do. The thing, though, and, and I hate to take away from where we're at in this conversation, but the thing I'm most curious about with him is what's he going to do in doubles? Where where's he? 
Who's his is partner? He gonna, I agree. Is he going to play? <laughs> is he so, going to play? So I wanted to predict that there's a sock curios double slam in our future oh. this year, and I'd be so oh. happy about that. But that is just one of my maybe that's my dream thing as opposed to anything else. Look, I'm rooting for Jack Sock. I hope he proves me wrong. I just think should he falter out of the gates, having him at number sixty is going to end up looking way too high because I just don't see him playing challengers. And I agree. He's, I think he'll miss the Bryants. I think that was one of the things that really helped him in 2018 maintain his joy of the game is having so much success. Oh, I don't want to say maintain his joy of the game. What am I to say? I'm sure he loves tennis. Obviously, he does it for a living. But I'm saying to have the confidence coming from those double slams, knowing you can still have that level of success on a tennis court, it has to help your mental state just when you're struggling that much on the single side. That's why I think putting him at 60 is a hedge of the bet to say he's too talented to fall out of the top 100 but i don't know if he's gonna quite make that big breakthrough again this season look there's nothing more fun than winning a tennis title with one of your best friends i know from experience it is a great time (laughs) give us an applause there westoff (laughs) so yes i I, i'm with you there but I, i think we should move on and finish these top 100 before getting on to our our next important topic okay so moving on you said Donaldson 64, too high, too low, just right? I think it's just right. I'm in. Kudla 68, too high, too low, just right? Just right. We talked about him already. Michael Moe, number 74, too high, too low, just right? He shouldn't be above TP, but I think it's just right. Oh, Tommy Paul, number 78. Think how far he has to go, though. I mean, what was he? He ended last year ranked number 202. I think Moe just is going to have an easier time getting into ATP events, have a a chance at solidifying his ranking, as a get into some Grand Slams, as opposed to Tommy Paul, who's going to have to go through qualifying a lot of the time. Um, That's why I feel pretty confident. Still, though, I have TP top 100, so Moe 74, Paul 78. Is that about the right range for both of them? Yeah. All right, Bradley Klon, number 79. See, I I at one point really thought he was going to make a breakthrough, and I thought that this could be the year. I want to put him higher. I want to put him in the in the 50s or 60s. I think he's going to make some runs. I mean, he's going to get direct entry into a lot of slams. He doesn't have too many points to defend. A lot of the stuff he did at the beginning of last year was at the challenger level. Getting entry into ATP events will certainly help. I agree with you. He's a guy who has room for uh, improvement this year. He ended last year number 76. It'd be great to see him ranked higher than that at the end of this season. Um, the renewed Ryan Harrison, number 88, that is from you, so we'll call that just right. My 15th American in the top 100. My last guy I want to mention, Noah Rubin. Too high, too low, just right. Might be too high. Ended I, last I, season 135. I think it's too high. I thought you were going to put in someone like Ty or... I don't know. I have Ty ending around 124. It's just a lot of points to make up. I think he's ranked around 300 right now, maybe a little bit top inside the top 300, 280 range. Yeah. It's just hard to get that many points. That's what Alex Diemenauer did last year. Do you think Ty Kwiatkowski is really going to have a year like that? Yeah, it's it's tough. No, I hear you. That's why this whole transition tour is uh, a topic of debate. Um, Oh, I agree. I, I think Ty, Kwiat- Ty Kwiatkowski will be one of the 26 American men to end the year in the top 200. I think there's going to be so much depth. I think, you know, all right, let's do this now. Ernesto Escobedo, I have him ending the year 110. Too high, too low, just right. That's too high. <laughs> 
People just solved him. It, he's going to go for his crap. It's hard to slap that many winners. It is. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I was talking with uh, with Mark Lucero at the California Championships for a little bit, and uh, was just asking him about uh, Loren. He he beat Escobedo zero and one back to back, and I was just like, I mean, he said something looked off, and that's never what you want to hear going into a new season. Uh, it sounds like he's got some things to work on, so I, I don't have him that high this season, unfortunately. And you know he's my boy, and I want him high. So when I first made this list, I had him back in the top 100. I had to move him down. I agree. I'm just – it's hard. I, I don't know. Unless he he has, unless the first serve, you know, he really struggled with that, struggled to make over 55%. Unless he can do much better than that this season, it's hard for him because he's not the most laterally gifted athlete, and his game relies so much on being on the attack, being in an aggressive position. It's hard to do that when all of these guys can hit as hard and move as well as they do. So you might be right. I don't know. I I, I guess in general, to finish up this topic, U.S. men, are we going to see a good season out of them? Will we be excited? Will we be disappointed? Will we stay neutral? Are they, as a whole, stock up or stock down? Stock up. I think it's it's definitely going to be a stock up year. I don't think we're going to see anything super exciting necessarily. Like, I don't think we're going to see, you know, a Grand Slam semifinalist or necessarily any Masters, you know, winners. Uh, But I think overall it's going to be a nice stepping stone. Yeah, I I think that's a fair assessment. I think patience will be the key. Don't expect any of the young guys, Fritz, Tiafo, Opelka, to win a major this year. Now, if one of them made a breakthrough into a second week of a Grand Slam, that would be exciting. I think we should you know, demand of our American players that at least one of them make a breakthrough in the second week, whether it's Isner, Johnson, Tiafo, Fritz. We need at least one quarterfinal for, or better out of the American men this year. I think the number to hit is three. If I was Vegas, I'd set the over-under at two and a half. I think that's a tough one. One. I'll probably take a slight under, maybe two this year, but we definitely should see some ATP titles out of this out of these guys. That is at a minimum. Um but let's move on to our next topic. We talk about you know com- comparisons between twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, and we mentioned the guys we think are gonna have bounce back seasons. Some guys I want to talk about Rothman, Del Potro, Sam Query, Stan Wawrinka, Thomas Burdich, and of course Andy Murray. All of these guys will be coming back from injury. We've seen a little bit from Stan Wawrinka. He seems to have regained some sort of that form. He looks incredibly fit. Same thing with Burdich. Burdich looks skinny. His legs, they're no longer a tree trunk. You know, they're much more approachable. Those things used to be thick. Yeah, but double just- C thick. <laughs> But just in general, talking about these guys, are you double C excited about their seasons and their prospects, or what do you think? Let's give a little but on for that one. Um, but yeah, no, I think the thing I'm most excited about is to see how they compare to the young guys like Kiechnov and Chorich and Tsitsipas and Medvedev. Obviously, Medvedev already just took out Favrinka. Um, so I think those are the, the matches I'm most excited for it. I think those are going to be really fun. Uh, I think someone you, you also forgot to throw in there is Sanga. He uh, he's back. Uh, no, I and didn't I, I didn't forget. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> he's well, my guy. I just Delpo has a special place reserved. Nadal could be you could argue Del- he should be on this list. Delpo when no. he's healthy, we know what to expect. I, I think it's almost disrespectful to keep 
Nadal off this list but put Delpo in. Yeah, you might be right. I think Stan looks better. I can't talk about Andy Murray yet. I need a bigger sample size. I haven't seen enough of him. Let me watch two months, and then I'll come to a conclusion. Is that okay for, I with will, you? I will I will give you an Andy Murray pod. How about that? Ugh. February, mid-February. Actually, we'll, we'll do March 1st. Andy Murray pod will have a, a nice 20-minute discussion on him, and we'll see where he's at. I think my first question to him, if he ever comes on the Cracked Interviews podcast, would be, so Andy, you've had a lot of hair decisions, but from one balding man to another, you know, what's your biggest mistake out there? And just see if he says, oh, it's the full faux mullet. It was just, just the general – like, yeah, I want to know what he's thinking. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know how to respond to that, except that Dimitrov is also balding, and you could ask him the same question. Yeah, the other guy I don't want to skip, Sam Query. You had the chance to see him, as you mentioned, at the California Open. You had the chance to talk to him as well, and if you haven't, listeners, go check that out in the Cracked Interviews podcast. But Ruffin, what do you think about his prospects for 2018? You said I had him a bit too low. Yeah, I mean, first of all, great guy. Um, you know, reps SoCal like a legend. Um <laughs> But, no, I mean, watching him play, he looks really calm, really composed. Talking to him, he, he feels good, um, as as he told me. And, and I think, you know, he's the kind of guy where I think he has he strikes a nice balance between, you know, being a big hitter but also being able to grind through points. And, look, I don't – am I saying he's going to make a Grand Slam semifinal? No. But I, I do think you had him too low. I think he will be making his way back into that top – 40 or so top 50 uh and i think he'll he'll be one of those guys to look out for in 2020 assuming he stays healthy and keeps the the consistency going so two more questions rothman and i know we will be monitoring all year long that we want to get into but we want to save those as their own topics because those are really you know two of the biggest picture things in tennis in terms of moving forward and what fans should be expecting that of course is how will the new transition tour affect players who are trying to make it from the lower levels of the rankings make it to on their way to the ATP tour of course we also want to talk about the new Davis Cup format how they're changing that to a one week event how they're changing the format they're doing so many different funky things in tennis Rothman, without getting into too much depth, talk in general, just how will these two things affect the season? So it's hard not to get into too much depth. And yeah, I, know I just gave do. you an Hey, great shot to me. That was the stupidest question. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Rothman, just talk about these two things, please, because I'm fucking tired. It's 1 a.m. Yeah, I know. And thank you for staying up. Um, Happy New Year. Yeah, I, I think – so I'll start with the transition tour – I, I understand why they did it, and I think it makes it a little bit more complicated adding in kind of these new ranking systems, having, you know, ITF entrance and bringing them into qualifying. But I also do see the benefits. Uh, I would just, I do want to bring up a, a tweet by Carousel who brought up that, that uh, he said, I just found out that the ITF tennis is charging a $40 entry fee into every future now, even for main draw players. And I agree with him. I think it's ridiculous that that they're doing that. The whole point is to, and I know forty dollars isn't a lot of money, but the whole point is to make this easier for those guys. And it's and it's not quite. Um, I don't know. I, I think I, I have some qualms with it that I'll bring up. Moving on to Davis Cup, I like the idea of the end of the year one week tournament, but I think they didn't go all the way with their plan in the sense that part of their plan was to put the emphasis on that last week 
yet there's still so much requirement from the rest of the year to get to that last week. And I thought that was the whole point was to move away from intermittent matches and, you know, move away from what has deterred so many players from playing Davis Cup. So I'm, I'm a little worried that it's not going to fully work. Um, but again, I think that's something that we'll we'll debate on the next pod. One thing I want to bring up on the transition tour so far, I was talking with Jonathan Kelly, who of course came on to do a recap of the 2018 American Women on tour. A great episode, which you all should go check out. He talked about the challengers changing to a 48-person draw, and he said, it hurts non-seeded guys who would have gotten in directly, win two matches and you only get seven points, and you have to play six matches to win the event. Plus, no challenger qualities over the weekends, which was one of my favorite things to score check. And also, is a nice thing to do when you have a couple of days to see a tournament. Then in all capital letters, and this is me doing my best to quote him, bring back weekend qualifying at challengers 48 sucks. And so, I mean, you can tell a difference. There's so many matches to follow. It's exhausting. But yeah, it, it things are changing. Things are getting better. It's too soon to see whether they are or not, and that's something we'll monitor all season long. I'm not even ready for Davis Cup. I'm too overwhelmed. I can't get into it yet. There's like seven tournaments going on. No, There's, it's ridiculous. I can't even text you all the matches that I'm excited about, shocked about, sad about. <laughs> like it's, it, it's, yeah, it's too much. All right, well then, let's get into the funky predictions for 2019. Let's have a little fun to end this podcast, and before we do that, we are going to do our favorite segment of the show, our first one of 2019, Maxwell LeBauer-Rothman. If you could, hit the drum roll with me. It's time for this week's Changeover Chat. The Changeover Chat. Ooh, a little 2019 jazz to it. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, I'm hoping Fligner does something funky with that as a new sound effect. We need something new. I need the a little change excitement. Changeover. Okay, that's enough of that. Yeah, definitely leave that started, in. Started sounding like a sheep at the end there. Okay, I, I want to do next-gen finals participants and Lever Cup <clears throat> teams at the end. But before we do that, do you have any funny predictions for us? Okay, yes. The first one, and <laughs> I, actually, I don't know which one I want to do first. Okay, yeah. The first one is Andy Murray's not going to make a Grand Slam quarterfinal. I told you. I'm, and that's, lo- I'm not talking about it for at least two months. Okay, fine. I'll move on. Next one, Burditch <laughs> makes a Grand Slam semifinal. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, what in Thomas Bird? What have you seen from him? He didn't play for a year. He is on the wrong side of 30. There are so many young guys to compete. We just spent an hour f-ing talking about it. How can you possibly think, whatever. I know I'm too passionate about this. I just, you're going to look stupid. That one will make you look stupid. <laughs> to be honest... I partially threw that in to see your reaction. Can I just say the goal of this was just (laughs) – the goal of that entire first pod was to not look stupid. Like I don't think we said anything that will make us look too stupid, but I am concerned that someone's going to listen back. Like, of course, Jonathan Kelly, who we just mentioned, will for sure six months from now be like, did you really think this? Like, you're a f***ing idiot, Alex. And he'll be right. And I'm like, I don't think we made any too wrong. I'm sorry for that rant. But one thing you'll be wrong about is that Burdish thing. 
I'm so glad that was that was exactly what I wanted. Okay, I'll move on to my my next funky prediction. Um, Stevie Johnson fully transitions to the two-handed backhand. I think it'll happen, <laughs> and I want it to happen, and I cannot wait to see that first just ripped backhand down the yeah, line. He'll do that, and Ben Simmons will switch hands on his jump shot. <laughs> <laughs> he'll start draining threes, too. Um, all right. Last funky I mean, prediction wait, wait, for was you. Was I supposed to address that? I assume. Like, what what I do you want me to say there? I, I figured, I don't know. You addressed it as well as you could have. Uh, last funky prediction Nick Kyrgios quits by Wimbledon. And and I know I kind of mentioned this earlier. I know he made that comment in a press conference that, you know, if Aussie doesn't go well, he's going to quit. Um, and I know that you thought it was a joke, but that was one of those, like, drunk, accidental truths that you just kind of spew out when you're when you're heated and and i do think that we could see something like ridiculous from him happen like quit mid-match retire for the season and do something wild look i don't want that to happen i love watching him play he's our guy but i could see him doing something wild again i don't even know what to say there (laughs) sure yes that's exactly what i think is gonna happen um (laughs) I don't know. Some some things I think for sure going to happen is John Isner is going to lose a Grand Slam match in the new fifth set tiebreaker forehand, and there's going to or format, and there's going to be a complaint about it, and maybe it's even him that complains about it, and we're going to be litigating that debate all year long again. Yeah, he won't be complaining about it because he'll be winning every single one of those tiebreakers because he just is not going to lose those serves. But that's another thing. Yeah, I just I guarantee you that something will be complaining about. I think Dominic. <clears throat> I think Dominic Team's YouTube channel, which for sure was the winner of the 2018 offseason, he's posting videos of his training, behind-the-scenes looks. It was my favorite thing, and I think that wins an Oscar at next year's Oscars. It was that good. That's going to be another MVP this season. I think we, we're going to see more and more players start doing that, and that's going to be beneficial for the game. Hopefully, they turn to Cracked Rackets as their partner, because I promise I will make them look as good as I make you. Um, uh-huh. I think the, yeah, I think the tour is going to take a look at it and adopt my resolution to abandon uh, the year-end finals and make it a co-tour Labor Cup-style event where we partner the guys with the girls because, if anything, the excitement we got from Serena and Roger Federer playing across the net in mixed doubles is something we should try and replicate as much as possible. It's so healthy for the sport. Guys, just adopt my idea. I'll, I'll, I don't, you know, I mean, give me some rights from it. Obviously, let us be the media people for the event. But I just think it's the better way to do it. That's. What, uh, but other than that, I got most of my predictions out uh, throughout the podcast. Rothman, you got any last ones to add before we do Labor Cup and Next Gen Finals? Last one. It's twofold. <laughs> I hope they're cracked rackets related. If, <laughs> if. <laughs> If Federer wins Wimbledon, he retires. And if he doesn't win Wimbledon, he retires after Labor Cup. And I know that may not be the most novel prediction, but I still think it's a big one that has to be brought up. I feel like people get mad at me now when I talk about Federer. And so you you know my thoughts. I would like to see him last until the 2020 Olympics. Give that one more go because that's really the only gap in his resume compared to Nadal and my boy Andy Murray, who's got two of them. That's the only Murray comment I'll make. It's not crazy. It's not. It, it really it's isn't. Not. He's the third oldest guy on tour, and 
I don't know. That's fine. All right, let's save Laver Cup for last. I'm going to give you my next-gen finals participants. Stefano Tsitsipas, I think he gets in for sure, yes or no? Yeah. Shapovalov, yes or no? Yep. Do either of those guys actually end up playing it? Um, maybe not. Yeah, I, I really don't think. Tsitsipas has no reason to. He already won I, it. I honestly, I could see a lot of the people we think make it think they're too good for it and not play it. That's what I'm afraid of. That's why I tried to make this list a little longer. I think those two are for sure. No, Shapovalov already skipped it once. Yeah. Okay. He's not going. Dimenauer, yes or no? Mm, depends on his season, but I'm, I'm going to say no. I say he makes it for sure. I think he plays. Well, makes it. Makes it. I don't know if he'll play. No, he loves the events. He's a, he's a, he's a player. He's a grinder. He's always playing events. Why wouldn't he? Okay. That's fair. Tiafo is definitely going to make it and won't play it. No, hard disagree. If Hotman Cup showed anything, it's that Tiafo will never turn down an invitation. Not once for any event. Oh, Hotman Cup's so different oh, than next gen. I, I, look, I am not trying to disrespect you, Francis. I am such a fan of yours. But anytime there's a crowd, anytime it's a showy event, Francis Tiafo is there. That's just who he is. And I, that's not a diss. That's just Francis Tiafo. The same way Jack Sock hey, is always there at Labor Cup. Francis Tiafo is always there. Likes likes to play for the fans. These are I why agree. these are changeover chat topics because these are my, my most passionate, least quantifiable takes. <laughs> okay, guys, I think are in for sure in terms of the points, and I think we'll play it as well. Felix Ogier, I'll assume. I think he's in yep. for sure. Yeah, Michael Moe. time. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so let's assume you agree Demon Hour, Tiafo, Ogier Alassim, and Mo are in. Those are our for sure four. I think we can agree on that. Shapovalov, Tsitsipas in if they want to play, but we're going to say no. So we've got three guys left in the field without the Italian wild card. Casper Rudd, yes or no? Mm-hmm. Ranked 106 right now. Is he ranked that high? Yeah. Yeah, give it, give it to him. Miamir Kasmanovic. Yeah. All right, and for Kasparov, I'm a yes as well. I'm a very hard yes on Miamir Kasmanovic. Um, yeah, I think Kasmanovic will, will for sure as well. So he's my sixth. With all due respect to Ugo Humbert and Nikola Kuhn, who I think are other contenders, my number seven guy, Stefan Kozlov. I think he has a bounce back year. I think we see him in this event. Yes or no? I think if we're going to see someone else, it Quarantine Mutet. Okay. okay. Oh, I just botched his name so hard. I don't care. Le- the, the fact that you tried that to... No, leave that in for sure because the fact that you tried to pull that name out means you were doing the research. Uh, so I'm always down for that. Leave that in, Westoff. Okay. Final topic. The most fun thing we can talk about. My favorite event, and I think it's not outlandish to say the consensus favorite event of the 2018 season. Laver Cup event. Team Europe versus Team World. Rothman... Give me your team, Europe. Oh, I, okay. Again, it, this is going to be like dependent on who plays. Assuming everyone plays, I'm going to give it to Roger, Rafa. Can I just say it wouldn't shock me if Rafa skips year end two or finals but plays this event. I would. I would rather him do that. I honestly. could not agree more. Oh, I'm glad we found some consensus at the end. Yeah, he he needs to play. I don't this. care if he um, skips the grass season to play this event. Rafa needs to be at Labor <laughs> Cup. Um, I think he might be an alternate, but they'll let him play regardless. <laughs> is Murray 
because I think they're going to want to see those three guys on a team Okay, together. I'm so sorry to cut you off. I think this year the narrative is going to be so clear. So Team Europe's coming off of back-to-back titles. What is the one thing they haven't had yet? The big four play together. And I know Djokovic <laughs> is probably Djokovic is probably out, so I'm not going to include him in this list. But I think Federer, Nadal, Murray, all locks to be on the Labor Cup team this year. They just Why do you think Djokovic is out? Because hasn't Djokovic said he, he's not going to play again? If he wants to play, he's in for sure. So I think he's for it. And I think they put Stan in, in as well. And I think those are the five locks. You see the five guys from Europe of that generation that, together. Tell me you wouldn't want to see that. Of course. That would be amazing. If I'm rigging no... it, I'm doing it. Yeah, but this is my list. Say, it's my list. Okay, sure, if that's your list. Like, I would love for that to be my list. That's just, like, so unrealistic. Okay, but tell me the fans do- don't want that team. Here are of the alternatives. So, I'm giving Djokovic this spot over Tsitsipas now. The alternatives? The alternatives. Hey, hey, great shot. Dude, it's 102. <laughs> Give me, cut me some slack. But, yes, the alternates. And that was a Jamie McDonald-esque moment. Ugh. But let's assume Djokovic plays, and we get our big four, and I'm saying Walrinka as well. I think they say, okay, who are the two young guys from Europe who we can build the future brand around? Of course, Tsitsipas is in that contention, but I think the two guys they'd go with then are Zverev and Chorich, and that's why to complete my roster, those are my sixth and seventh man, and those are – it's a hell of a team. See, I'm in on that. You're giving you're giving the ideal – circumstance well not why shouldn't we do one? it it should be like the all-star game let the fans vote them in and i bet those are the people who get the votes that is the idea that needs to be brought in <laughs> let the fans vote and that oh, that would be beautiful twitter poll okay should the fans get to vote on the labor cup teams i'm sending we, that right now from cracked rackets that that needs to go viral for we need to tweet at atp itf w like everyone that needs to get out there i i'm actually giving myself a note so that i remember to do this i'm going to add all of them as soon as we are done with this pod so that's my team europe rothman my alternate Tsitsipas chilich team fognini edmund what do you think um you said it's not realistic who am i wrong about no it's it's not that it's the only reason it's unrealistic is that they would never make a team that good there's always they it's like they're trying to they in the last two years they've tried to make them a little bit spread out, like bringing in a Tiafo for Team World, that kind of thing. Like they they try to bring in some guys from that like 40, 50 range. It's not like they're doing all star teams, which would be obviously ideal. Um, yeah, I I, I want to give the ideal Team World because I, I think it's unfortunately less interesting, but still so fun. So I think Team World, you've got to go. Delpo, assuming he's healthy. You gotta go Anderson, and you gotta go Isner. The three big boys. The big boys from around the world are gonna come in and whoop some ass. The next... Can I just say, I'm so intrigued by this fan voting thing. I, I should have been listening to you, but I've been getting this Twitter poll ready to go, because I oh, really uh, hope don't this worry, becomes I, a thing. I, I, I was watching you not listen. We can't um, be the only people who have thought of this. I mean, it's impossible. It's a, uh, there, a lot of impossible things have, you know, not been possible. Oh, hey, great shot by you. All right, this shows we should be finishing up. Okay, I agree with you. Delpo's healthy. He's in. Yeah, th- those big three. Um, because of where I have Kachanov at the end of the season, he's going to be number four. Um, I want to say... 
I think they're going to bring in Kyrgios, assuming he's still playing just because he's fun. Uh, he's obviously entertaining. Alex, get off your phone. Uh, the teacher is talking. Um, and then the other two are kind of toss-ups. I think they'll bring in – if you want to do, do like a real diverse all-star team, you bring in Nishikori, assuming he's got a great season. And then – oh, man. I, I don't know. Maybe bring in a young guy at, for for your last one. Even though Kachanov is young, bring in bring in Shapo, make him your seventh. So I have a lot of thoughts, obviously, on this Labor Cup. That's why I wanted to save it for last. I think Jack Sock and Nick Kyrgios have to be locks on the team. Jack Sock for doubles. The guy hasn't lost right. a Davis Cup doubles or a Labor yeah. Cup doubles rubber. Yeah, that, that's fair. So he's locked. Also assuming Team World's like really trying to win, bring him in. I also just think Kyrgios and Sock are the most fun doubles team to watch. They really are because you just don't know what's going to happen. And yep. that's when doubles is at its fu- most fun, when it's reckless, when there's an element of danger on the court. The fact that you think someone might lose some form of their skin because a forehand's going to be hit so hard through them. It's like you're talking about me and you. It's crazy. <laughs> I cannot hit a ball through anyone. Uh, so I know. Sock and Kyrgios lock. <laughs> Healthy Delpo's a lock. Kevin Anderson, I think, is a lock. You met, you know what I said about him earlier under that theory. He has to be. Isner really performed. He did in terms of at last year's Labor Cup going to three sets in both of his singles matches. This is the type of match environment he loves. Plus, he is a threat in doubles given how big his serve is. You know, him and Sock won that Masters event last year in Indian Wells. He's my fifth guy. And then, like the other team, I need two young guys to fill up my roster, two guys Team World can build around in the future. I chose Kachnov and Dimonauer over Medvedev and Shapovalov and over Tiafo. I already said I don't think Tiafo's that great of a doubles player. Not sure Fritz would be either. Kachnov can beat anyone late in the year in singles. He might be the only guy out there who's still fit. Same thing with Dimonauer. They would be fun. They would add that youth element to the team. I think you're set in doubles. I think there's some depth there in singles. I think that would be Team World's best roster of the three years thus far. What do you think? And the guys I have missing as alternates, Nishikori, Medvedev, Rayonic, Shapovalov. I think they bring in Shapo in there. You need some Canadian representation, and he's a great fun-to-watch young player. So I, I don't have him on my alternate list. I have him as an actual player. Yeah. But it's just crazy how much more entertaining and more fan-loved the Team Europe would be. It's just, like, I think they need to split up Team Europe in the future. Uh but I like this aspect. I love the fact that there's continuity somewhat in these teams. I love that we all know we're probably going to get to see Sock versus Federer. We're going to get to see Federer and Nadal get to play together. That's one of the important aspects. I would also love to see the one thing they add, have Borg and McEnroe play in in a doubles match with one of the guys. Dude, a hundred. I was saying there should be a Legends portion okay. where there's— Oh, a full Legends portion? You do like— a full. The thing is these even, guys are broken. I don't give a so shit. So who do you, you get? Want, Rod- you're telling me you don't you don't want to see Roddick, James Roddick Blake, plays for Andre- Team World for sure, right? And Hewitt does too. What if we just have an American version well, where we go Roddick, Blake, no. Agassi, Sampras? They, for the record, oh, they do. That's called like the Legends Tour, the Pro Tour. It's always on Fox Sports. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of these guys are broken. I, I don't know. I would just like to see the captains. Like, ma- the, imagine the captains, the, co- the coaches play doubles. Borg like and it. Fed versus Sock and McEnroe. It's literally the captains and the coaches. That's, a, that's yeah. 
I'm in on we're that just, match. We're giving them golden ideas. As an incentive, you rig it so that that's the tie-breaking winner-take-all final. Like, I, that's what you do for sure. Absolutely. Oh, I Send it. All right. Well, speaking of which, I need to get this Twitter poll out there. So do you have any final thoughts, predictions, questions, things you'll be watching for about the 2019 season? I'm just excited. There's so much tennis. I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm my, literally my, between my Orlando, Playford, Numea. There's a Ty Kwiatkowski, no Ruben match in the queue for me waiting to watch. I'm I'm amped for this season. I think there's a lot of good things to watch. I think the ATP is going to be as exciting as ever. There's going to be parity, as we mentioned. So you may not get your traditional guys in the winner's circle. And I think that's something to look forward to. I think that's something all fans should be enjoying from this season. Because a lot of these guys we talked about are young, they're going to be lumps. They're going to be droughts. That we Keep in mind, there's so much tennis now, but the tennis season is really the longest professional season in sports. Just enjoy the ride because it's really going to be one this season. You couldn't have said it any better. All right. Well, then one last time, a huge thank you to our super producers, Daniel Westhoff and Max Fligner, who have a <laughs> of a job to do as always. But... For Wait, really quick, really quick. We got to give one of our super producers a shout-out happy birthday. The magician Daniel Westoff. thank you for all you do. Happy birthday. Oh, absolutely. Shout-out to the entire Cracked Records team. As we mentioned, we have so much fun stuff planned during the 2019 season. Check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. Like, subscribe, rate, review this podcast as well as our other podcast, the Cracked Interviews podcast. But – from our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, from my incredible co-hosts, Maxwell LeBauer-Roth and Maxie, we took far too long between podcasts, and we've got a full plate ahead of us in 2019, so I look forward to going through this. It's a great start. I can't wait. Let's keep rolling, This baby. is the Woo! year we make money. I am your <laughs> co-host, Alex Gruskin, and Maxie, what do we say to our listeners? Hey, great shot. <laughs> we will listen. All right, blah, blah. And we will listen to you. Leave that in as a mess up. And we will talk to you all next week. Maxie, great job by you. Good job, Alexander.